inspires a person to make a change, to choose a different path, to fight the status quo, to try and beat the odds. We asked a group of inspiring creative visionaries about their change up in their careers, personal lives, health, communities, or the world around them. This is The Change Up, brought to you by Tom Organic. I'm Monty Diamond from Show and Tell, and I am really excited to bring you this series. Today we chat to Ali Watson. She is what you would call a young gun. She is a computer science graduate and a web developer, and she was often the only woman in a room full of men at her workplace and also at tech meetups. So she decided to take it upon herself and try and shift this. Ali is the co-founder of Code Like a Girl and is making a massive change when it comes to women in tech. Now, just before we share our chat with Ali, did you know that tampon companies in Australia are not required to disclose their ingredients? That makes it really difficult to work out what exactly is in your tampons. Now, at Tom Organic, they've got nothing to hide. Their tampons are made with exactly one ingredient. It is 100% organic cotton. No chemicals, no pesticides, nothing but organic cotton. For the most absorbent part of your body, it just makes sense. Find Tom Organic tampons on a supermarket shelf near you today and see for yourself why women around the country are making the change. Now here is our chat with Ali Watson. Ali, thanks so much for chatting with us today. No problem. We're very excited <laughs> to have you. Now you're a web developer. I Tell am us indeed. how you got into that. Well, it was actually a bit of an accident, so <laughs> interesting. <laughs> when I was in high school, I was a very arty ch child, loved arts and crafts, spent my lunch hours in the art department. And so for me, you know, the dream was art school. That was where I was going, whether it was fine art or fashion, you know, it had to be something, creating, doing something with art. But um, that didn't really work out for me. I got rejected from art school, every art school actually in the country. <laughs> Um, not just one year, but two years in a row. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah. It was meant to be, though. It was very devastating. <laughs> oh, my God, it would have been, though, getting those yeah. rejection letters yeah. back. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And I like, worked really, really hard at high school, so got, like, really great grades everywhere else. So it wasn't, you know, my grades. It was definitely my artistic abilities right. that, was, uh, <laughs> that was failing me. Um, so, yeah, I just didn't know what to do at that point. Um, so it was very late on in the year when we, when I'd, like, been told that I wasn't going to art school. Um and at that point, you know, the first semester, people were going to university um, in a couple of months' time. And here was I, not sure whether I should then get a full-time job or whether, you know, I had no idea what I was going to do. And there in the universities, they have this thing called a clearing list. And it was just like the leftover courses, so space is still left. And there was um, computer science and software engineering on that list. Now, I hadn't actually done <laughs> any programming, but I had done like information systems and I'd done mathematics and having that interest in design, I thought maybe there's something there. Maybe that's a kind of good skill set to have to maybe try computer science. And so I signed up and got wow. accepted like straight away, started university like maybe a month after that. I told my parents as well, I had kept it from them because I didn't want to be disappointed again. So I hadn't <laughs> even told them I was applying for this position, uh, for the, the um, course. And yeah, just walked into computer science and I had no idea that it would be like all guys. Like yeah. I swear there was maybe 10 girls in the class and there was like 150 students, which sort of diminished Whoa. over the years, but no idea what I was getting, getting myself into. Um, but then I fell in love with it because it was just something that really appealed to my mind. Like when I thought back to what kind of art I liked, it was very analytical art. 
right. very detail, um, like using a lot of sort of um, concentration and sort of deep thinking. And it was weird that this kind of new skill set, computer science and programming, gave me that same sort of feeling. Like I was yeah, kind right. of having my own quiet yeah. time, problem solving, working on code, and my artistic abilities like ended up being a strength. So it was weird like I would be like the one in the class who just really excelled in the sort of the UI or the UX user experience and user interface design and so these were like areas that I could apply all this kind of interest that I had in design and art but into technology. Yeah, right. Um, so it was a blessing that you didn't it get It was a really blessing. Honestly I, I look back on it and I think that I'm so glad that happened because yeah. You know, I know that they always say, you know, when you do art and stuff, you you know, it's hard to get jobs in yeah. those areas. You know, it's a high, highly competitive, clearly, <laughs> can't get into art school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just as competitive in the industry. Um, so here I was being something really different, being someone who came from a creative background, who loved that stuff, but then had a tech mind, tech skill set. Um, so that was like a web development was just a really natural transition from that. Once I had graduated from computer science, I then was like, well, where can what what industry is best for me to work in and so um web development was perfect because you were working with designers you were working with them project yeah. managers working in really short term projects so yeah. apps and websites and um even though like i was never the artist or the designer in the team i still felt really part of the creations like i still felt really strongly hugely important within that team and, and because i had that respect for that craft and respect for design it almost made me a better developer because you know getting designs and, and websites pixel perfect like yeah, really yeah. respecting that a designer has spent all that time and putting that design together and those margins are supposed to be that size and that's supposed to be that size like i had such an appreciation for that and so Will i think you make that, the idea come to life Coding is, we go to somebody like you to build the outside of it. But can you explain what coding is? Because when I look at that, I want to squeal and run. It <laughs> yeah. is like, like another language. language to me. Yeah. Well, it is another language. They, they call Literally. It, they call it programming languages. And I guess like we, we do a lot of classes with kids. So explaining to them what code is, is kind of something that we do quite often. But it's basically, I always tell them that computers are dumb. They're very stupid, but they're very good at following instructions. And if you learn the language of a computer, you can tell a computer to do anything. So you can build a website, you can build an app, as long as you can learn this language. And just like humans have different languages that we communicate in, so do mm. computers. So computers, you can you know write a program in C Sharp, you can write a program in Java. And so they have all these different languages that broken down speak to the computer. So there's, there's lots of sort of layers mm. of languages, um, but programming languages are specifically designed because they are readable despite, right, <laughs> despite yeah. a lot of people not quite knowing straight away how to read them. Um, they're kind of designed so that humans can read them and write them and understand them. And there's, it's almost like a unit, it's actually kind of beautiful because it's like a universal language, you know, mm. everywhere in the world, a programming language is the same. So Java is the same in every single country in the world and you get developers all around the world speaking this one right. beautiful language yeah. to create products and so, there's something kind of like, mm. you know, I really like that aspect of it. Yeah. Um, but it does take time and practice and just like human languages. So, you know, we have sentences and um, verbs and nouns. So we can structure sentences in a certain way and you structure paragraphs in a certain way and use punctuation to be able to sort of understand how the tone is. And it's just like that in programming. We have methods, we have variables, we have certain syntax and concepts that 
transfer across the language. Right. So if you learn, you know, Italian, then you try and learn French afterwards. It's quite easy because you can, you know, how the the structure of the language is. You know what areas to concentrate yeah, right. and learn. And they say that about English and, and languages that humans speak. Once you learn one, it's quite easy to pick up another quite fluently. Um, and it's the same with programming. Once you do one. You look at another and you, even though you don't know that language, you kind of work out what's happening because it's, it follows a really similar structure. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of like amazing the complexity, but it should never intimidate people because it's just, it's just another thing to learn. It's just something that once you kind of practice and familiarise yourself with, you'll realise like, you know, there was nothing ever to worry about in the first place. Like, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's, it's something that as you know it was designed by humans and so it's definitely something humans can kind of learn and and, and read and write themselves totally um, but yeah um because when you did start your school being one of the one of 10 girls in a class of over 150 did you find that quite intimidating and did you find that you almost had to you know i guess be the best or did you feel oh, like how did you feel being in a class like that mm. it's funny i've never been asked that before but that's exactly how i felt you feel like you're is and it's weird intimidation again is one of those words that it doesn't accurately describe how i felt but then i think well i was afraid i was afraid to look stupid i was afraid to tell people the extent of how much I didn't know. And so a lot of the time I faked it. A lot of the time mm. I sat there, you know, embarrassed by my lack of knowledge because I was just surrounded by people who seemed comfortable and confident. Mm. And that's intimidating because you feel like, have you ever had that feeling at school where you didn't do the homework and everyone else did? Yeah. I was out every day for me. Yeah, <laughs> I was right. like, so you just constantly why do you trying guys to prove know yourself? this? You know, why yeah. does everyone know this and I don't? And the way even the language of the lecturers just the, the vibe of it all, it just felt like I should have known more than more I than did. did. And it was just a, a constant shame and constant struggle to, to try and stay up to date. And intimidation, it didn't, I guess, it was more off-putting. Yeah. And I can understand why people give up because it doesn't, you don't feel supported. You don't feel like you can turn around and say, I don't know the answer to this. There's a really competitive environment, right. like, and I don't know if that is because it's male-dominated. And is that why um, you started Code Like a Girl? It was a mix of that, yeah. Um, it was it was all mostly based on my experiences of university, my experiences in the industry, but also just constantly being the only girl. Um, yeah. My yeah. first job, only girl, and the whole entire side of the office. There was forty men in this building. And I was the only girl, and I was. Shit. I know, right? <laughs> what is the percentage of female coders? Is it like one fifth, isn't it? Of, of that's what they say. Right. So it's really hard to get this information because it's all self-reported. Yeah. And yeah. um, there's a really broad, you know, women in technology. But if you had to look a bit deeper, and I don't have the stats on this, but I think women in technology a fifth. Yeah. If you had to look at the women building technology, the women creating technology, the actual developers mm. themselves, I would be very surprised if that was one fifth. Yeah. I think it's much lower than that. Just that's essentially what you're doing though, right? You're trying to bring girls in earlier in, exactly. through education. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so early education is one yeah. of those things. And when we started Code Like Girl, it was really because I was alone in this industry. I'd moved to another country. <laughs> and so... I felt the isolation more than ever. Mm. I didn't know the good companies to work for. I didn't know who was who in the network. And so I had to then sign up to like meetups and try and work my way into this new industry in this new country. And it was 
it was scary. I would I would be working all day with a full male team, and at the end of the day, I'd try and socialise a bit more, and it was just constant, you know, guy after guy after guy on these guest lists. It was like a meetups um, right. channel thing we used, right. and I and I went to lots back home. I've even spoke at a few back home and helped organise some. But here I was in Australia trying to start a new network and I just realised like this is hard for someone that has a computer science degree that has you know five years experience in industry. Imagine I'm just a, a young girl or an older woman wanting to career change or wanting to start out in this industry. Imagine facing that guest list and knowing that not only are you going to be that pink elephant in the room yeah. that people will ask you why are you here and then you have to almost be like me back in square one at computer science yeah. like that first classroom yeah. experience I thought there needs to be something more accessible there needs to be a place where women can get access to this information can get access to these people these networks um, and so Cold Lake Girl when it was the first sort of idea of what it was was an event a really low-key you know glass mm. of wine with eight girls talking about technology talking about their products um, but that's not quite how it worked out. Um, that first event just flew off the handle. We had 100 women turn up on the first night. Mm. The feeling that you get when you're around those women and you're sharing stories of successes, sharing stories of struggles, mm. um, the atmosphere can become so vulnerable, but like just really safe and beautiful. Like yeah. Some of the conversations that we have at these events are just, they leave everybody just tingling. They, they leave everybody feeling like they can achieve something pretty great. And yeah. for me, when I did that first event, I wanted to keep it regular. I thought we could build a community here. Like we could create friendships, we could create networks. Like we could create something that is so needed to all these women who are scattered about alone in their jobs, yeah. alone going through these issues. Like let's bring them together. And so we committed and it's been three, almost three years since that first event. And we've pretty much done an event every two months. We've committed to that. And I think that's been the solid foundation that Code Like a Girl was built on. You do work with a lot of young people as well. So do you go into schools or how do you get into... Because seriously, this should be a part of just mm. the school curri yeah. curriculum. Yeah, and they're, def they're definitely... Prep on. Like, absolutely. They're definitely making big changes to the curriculum. So they've introduced the Digitech curriculum. And then the Victoria has a mandate by... Actually, the, last, the end of last year, it should be available in all schools now. Oh, right, wow. primary um, schools? Primary schools. Right. Yeah. Um, so we will see changes, and it's exciting because it's been a bit doom and gloom, the stats. Um, so being able to wait and see what these big changes to the curriculum will do to the pipeline problem yeah. is, is definitely one of those things that we're just kind of waiting to see what happens. Um, but early education is so important, so that's why we started the the Kodlahegera workshops um, away from sort of different from the events, and they start from like grades one, so kids oh, as young as six wow. years old. We teach them like computational thinking and concepts. So again, like I talked about the concepts with coding, mm. um, they're all kind of similar, but you can teach them in a certain way that kids, even with non digital uh, non literacy skills, they can learn these concepts. So we right. do things like you know, think like a computer and we'll draw a big sort algorithm on the floor and we'll teach them how computers would sort you by height or computers would sort you alphabetically. Oh, wow. And we show them what the actual like thought process is and actually, you know, if you break down a problem, how a computer would read that problem or write that problem. You know, just like humans, we read left to right 
and down. So the computers, they read left to right and then down, so you have to put your commands in a certain order. And so we teach all these kind of concepts to kids, um, but really fun and engaging activities. So yeah, it's not right. just, you know, six-year-olds in front of a computer screen. It's six-year-olds playing and running and yeah, awesome. um, like really yeah. interacting with one another, which is really lovely to see because... It's probably easier learning it at that age too. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're like sponges. They just yeah. playing everything. <laughs> yeah, totally. And they're so curious as well and really mm -hmm. energetic. So it's just it's just such a good like good thing all around. Like you just get these girls asking amazing questions and also just they're so they're so like they become best friends with one another but then mm. this short time that you're you're spending with them. So our code camps so they're three days long. Right. And by the end of them they're all exchanging numbers, they're all yes. best friends with one another, they're all taking pictures with each other and it's just yeah, it's a really really good time. Um but in terms of yeah, the the early education that's really important because I think what we've seen in the past is boys, they grow up with this technology. They're, you know, the Game Boy, mm. the, the magazines they read, the role models they have, you mm. know, it's so, it's so fitted and naturally like for them. Mm -hmm. Whereas these girls, you know, we are still giving them Barbies and baby dolls. We are still giving them tea sets and these kind of toys don't encourage problem solving. And then added on top of that, we have a really strong issue where young girls from as young as six start associating brilliance and intelligence as a male trait. Now, I don't know the ins and outs of how that happens in terms of why young girls don't believe in their own intelligence anymore at that age. It's usually that's that age. six years old. It's six years old, yeah. So there's a big oh. Illinois um, university research on it, which is, it kind of talks about gendered beliefs from young ages and boys kind of believing in their own intelligence but girls kind of stop mm. at a certain age and then that continues on to adult life right um so when you tell a girl that a toy or a class is for smart people she's less likely to believe that she can do that class or she can play with that toy because she doesn't identify herself as smart right. does that make sense right yeah, and right. so we're seeing a real drop off that young girls they don't like coding or they don't want to do tech because it's you know it's for smart people and that's just not how they identify as themselves and um, so it's overcoming that it's not just teaching girls coding but it's giving them really strong visible role models yeah um so women who facilitate our workshops they talk to the girls about their careers and their stories and so we have lots of web developers and lots of app developers and software developers and they come and they talk to the girls and it's it's just right there in front of them to see and to believe and to like know that when they think of that programmer, that it's not Mark Zuckerberg that comes yeah, to their mind, yeah. that it's Stacy or totally. <laughs> Molly who ran the code camp yeah. last, last month. And so it's just replacing that imagery in their head and making sure that they are confident with these skills and confident with the language and just really sort of working on the confidence, the sense of belonging and the role models really just this magic recipe of what you get at Code Like yeah. a Girl Workshop to hopefully counteract some of the sort of damage, yeah. I guess, that our yeah, culture true, is doing to young girls and um, really give them, because the thing is, that's where all the jobs are. I would love to see, I would love to see it be equal. And I think that's our dream, just having equal makers of the future. Yeah. Um, because I think that's what it is. It's about women building and creating and having that those tools to be able to bring their ideas to life because their ideas are are important their mm. ideas are someone hasn't thought of them yet and i think even when you think of something really recently like the apple watch 2010 i think the apple watch came out 
And this is something that is tracking your calories, your footsteps, your heart rate, you name it. You know, your health concerns are covered. <laughs> but are they? Because there wasn't like a menstruation tracker on that. Mm. Like completely forgotten about. Yeah, you're right. Oh. But they, they sorted out eventually. <laughs> oh, is but it on there it now? It's on there now. But that's what I mean. Like when, the, you know, big release, big product. Yeah. You know, 50% of your market are yeah. women. And you're missing something pretty major about their health concerns. Wow, yeah, you're right. But there's not enough women making or creating these solutions and creating this technology. And so it's just like, imagine what a world is going to look like when you get that, that equality and that balance. Well, also just the feel of businesses too, you know, like a, a lot of the, ind- well, the industry I work in is very male dominated. Um, and just, you know, I love working with women. There's just a, a really different energy, yeah. I think, working with women. I also love that, I, and I want to get um, uh, something that I've read um, on, uh, on your um, LinkedIn, which I just thought this was gorgeous. Um, and I don't know if this is a quote from you or... Um, Anyway, I'll read it out. <laughs> um, at the heart of Code Like a Girl is a passion to create innovative learning environments where every girl from any background feels included, inspired and capable in the world of technology. And I loved that because I also love that having the, the heart as well is a huge part of Code Like yeah. a Girl. And I thought only a chick would go, what is the heart of our business? Yeah. And I think that that can only create success. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, without a doubt, Code Like a Girl is a very values-led company. Like um, myself and my business partner Vanessa, we we just do everything on gut and on feeling. But also, mm. we just have this really strong. I get we're we're not. I guess we're not just an educational you know business. We are. We see ourselves as a social enterprise. So a big part of what we do is is kind of based on our own experiences and knowing coming back to the fact that technology just enabled a different life for me, knowing that you can give that gift to someone else who needs it. And so for us, we want to make ourselves sustainable. We want to make ourselves profitable in some sense to use those profits to give this education to girls in disadvantaged backgrounds. Great. And so we know that we can look after these girls. If we are able to sustain ourselves, we'll never forget about them. They will always be at the forefront of our minds and it's not up to some huge corporate responsibility team and some big, big fancy corporate office. It's about code like a girl supporting all girls from any background. And so that is really where that statement comes from because, yeah, I guess like for us, we know, we just know the power of this. Yeah. This. And that it literally can change your life. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. <laughs> You're onto something good there. It's yeah. pretty exciting, isn't it? It's, it's really exciting. Ali, code like a girl. How can we find you? Where are your events? Is everyone welcome? So I guess a little rundown. We have events. We have workshops for adults and kids. Yeah. And we have an internship and a job service. Um, so our events are in Victoria, mostly Melbourne based. We have them in South Australia and Sydney. Um, so Adelaide and Sydney. They run every two months. Um, right. So sign up to your mailing list on the website and you'll get information of when they go live. I just am thinking of all of our mates with girls going during the school holidays, this is exactly what they should be sending their kids off to do. Because it's never, it would never cross my mind that there would be a camp for Mm. coding like this. I guess like one of the things that we love about Code Like a Girl is it's almost like an entire life, um, life cycle service. So you you know, when you're a kid, you can come to the code camps. When you're Mm. older, you can come to the events or when you're just starting out in a career 
you can come to the internship or the, the job service that we do. Yeah, great. So, touch yeah. points at every point. Love it. Thank you so much <laughs> for joining us. What a change you are making. Oh, it's unreal. <laughs> The next episode of The Change Up brought to you by Tom Organic. We chat with Christina Carlson, the lady behind the hugely popular stationery brand, Kiki K. I think that's that's the most important message um, when you're starting something, just start. You have to start somewhere. Um, but for me, that was like, um, you know, I did the, the, um, the old ye- yellow pages when it was book form, paper form, <laughs> S for stationery, and I just started from the top, went through them all, and then just started to visit, and, you know, stationery businesses, um, manufacturers, paper companies, and I was so excited, but I had no idea uh, how to do things. So I just learned, and I listened, and I asked a lot of questions, and then I started to build it that way. Thank you for listening to The Change Up, brought to you by Tom Organic. Now, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe. Let your mates know about it because every woman, man and dog out there needs to wrap their ears around these incredible chicks' stories. And uh, also make sure you comment. If you comment and like and all of that, it bumps us up and more people can uh, hear these awesome chats. Also, head to showandtellonline.com.au and check out the videos of these chats as well. I am Monty Diamond, and I hope you join us on our next episode.